Welcome to The Listen, a podcast by me, Charlie Perry. And me, Abby Gibson. Every week we share our observations and over-analysis from pop culture, current affairs and our own lives. Indeed, it's the podcast where it's essentially for people who have big feelings about the things that matter and then even bigger feelings about the things that don't, which is our favourite place to be. I <laughs> love it. How are you, Charlie? Happy New Year. Happy New Year! <laughs> I'm good. I feel as though I sound a lot worse than I feel. I woke up with a completely awful head cold. Oh no. It's that weird feeling though where it's kind of like I'm not ill but I'm not right. Mm. So I don't feel too sorry for me. But yes, I'm feeling good, thank you. I'm very much looking forward to getting into the swing of our kind of weekly release now we're slightly more caught up with the times. Yeah, yeah. We're recording much closer to release which means we'll be much more on the pulse exactly did you have a nice new year I did I actually wanted to talk to you about my new year's because I spent it with my husband's friends for the first time which was really really fun but we did a quiz love a quiz I absolutely smashed it can I say of course the rounds on film smashed it tv smashed it there was a pop culture round got double points for that because I got all five so, questions of course. right of <laughs> course absolutely sorry for listeners I just flicked my hair (laughs) she can't see that but listen to this right we were on randomized teams so there was two teams of three and a team of four I was on the team of four and I would say we had no advantage from that one of them genuinely was just there for the sports round and nothing else great we need a sports round we do but then when we were at the second to last round the quiz master said oh and by the way you are deducted five points because you have an extra member no absolutely hard disagree I would be as an incredibly competitive person not okay with that I was absolutely furious (laughs) (laughs) scrap the fun I was fuming nothing is fun everything is to win but that is not proportionate at all five points that's the difference between winning and like embarrassingly losing well I mean you got double points on the pop culture round and now you basically lost them that should have been laid out in the rules at the start exactly and that and that way surely we would have played differently so yeah my new year's came in with a bit of a row but with a competitive bang (laughs) yes exactly but we still won just oh so actually to just go back a step it was a completely pointless rule in the first place then if it was Mm. if it was put in after the quiz and you still won what was the point in that I don't know I think he was just trying to appease his friends to be honest how many beers deep was he (laughs) he was cracking out them Guinnesses like nobody's business (laughs) there we go it was the Guinness it was the Guinness Oh, well, I do feel like I'm not the kind of person who is new year, new me. Mm. But I will say, I love the idea that we get like a fresh start. Yeah. And I think that ties in really nicely with something that we both decided to do over the festive period. Yeah, independently of each other. (laughs) Yeah, we're just so predictable. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we both, so we both made vision boards. Yeah, it's not groundbreaking, obviously, but... No, in fact, it's very, I think if you saw us, you would assume that we did. But this is the first time I've ever done a vision board. I don't know whether to be offended by that or not. (laughs) This is like the time when I once went to an Adenola um, sample sale and then I got in the queue and everybody was just me. I was like, I'm having a terrible 
crisis here whereby I thought I was kind of individual I thought I had my own personality yet yeah. no I'm not the only person that has a coach bag wearing a trench coat with a hoodie underneath with the scrape back slick bun okay I felt the exact same when I got my uh, my fringe for the first time and every Aww. every girl I saw had like medium length brown hair with a fringe and I was like oh okay <laughs> okay I don't have a personality <laughs> So, um, but yes, vision boards are fun. I'm glad that you've done it for the first time. I, yeah. I've not necessarily done it in this way before, but I have enjoyed the reflective element of it before. Mm. But yours was slightly different. So we're going to go into like how we did it differently. But I just wanted to say that one thing that in terms of like vision boarding, reflection on the new year, I used to do this really cool thing that I would encourage everybody to do. So long as you're doing it in the start of January, I think it's fine. I tend to do it on New Year's Eve. I write myself a letter on the first day of January mm-hmm. on the 1st that I then will read on the last day of the year. That's nice. So I've written myself a letter, which basically is like the last year or the last six months you've been feeling like X, Y, Z, these things happened. And then on the 31st, I can then read that letter and I set myself like goals or whatever I feel like I want myself to achieve in that year. And then I can look back and see if I've achieved it. But the problem is I've done that for the last, I think, six years. And I've lost the letters like in the process of moving from Manchester to London. Oh. And I think they might be in my grandma's garage. Oh, ran- <laughs> how random. <laughs> grandma. So I've not been able to do it this year, which I'm really sad about. But yeah, grandma's got them. Oh, no. But did you still write one? Yeah, I think I will probably still write one. Um, you should. But the vision board kind of. I suppose has done the element of projecting yeah. what I would like to happen. So yeah, I would recommend doing that. Yeah, I do. There's a website called um, futureme.org, which I always use, mm. which does it through like email. I know you're very much like you like hand like paper and pen. I'm much more yeah. of a digital gal. Um, yeah. And I received, but my tradition seems to be that I send a letter and to myself on the 2nd of Jan because I received one this year which I forgot I sent actually oh which is always that's always the best thing about that is that I send them and then I forget so then I received that one of the second and then sent another one to me in on the second for the 2024 yeah I did that off the back of you saying it and I don't know whether or not I I don't know when I set it to email me but I feel (laughs) like I should check my spam (laughs) Yeah, no, you should be okay because you have to like confirm it. They've got ways around it. You'll be fine. But yeah, vision boards. So the way I did my vision board, I did it more like a mood board. So it's like my, basically it was my friend's idea. She bought loads of magazines and like, she she was very kind in like providing me with all the materials. Um, Love that. loads of magazines and then like just a canvas and some glue went through these magazines. And I think- I'm the say I don't set New Year's resolutions. I don't think they're mm. useful for me. I don't like to put pressure on myself around this time, but I think it's a nice time, like you said, to just kind of reset, reflect, and think about what would be nice in the next like 12 months. Yeah. So my vision board and maybe we can share it on Instagram. Yeah. Is very much, I mean, it's beautiful, I think. <laughs> Stunning, um, glorious. <laughs> it's because I was like, I want it to look nice because I want to like put it in, I'm going to put it in my office, like behind my computer so I can just like look at it and be like, oh, that's such a nice vision. Love that. I'm all like no goals, all vibes, as cringe as yeah. that sounds. And, <laughs> and I was just picking like 
nice interior stuff because like, cause we were planning the wedding, sorting the house out, just went absolutely out the window. So I was like, I want some like finished, beautiful rooms. I picked just like nice kind of like little holiday stays. Nice oh, looking cute. like bedrooms. Um, there was like this really cute cartoon that was about eating healthy, but it said eat healthy, except for when you really need mac and cheese or something like that. And I was like, <laughs> yes, I want both of that. Love that. I want to eat healthier. And then also most randomly um, in one of the magazines I had, they had an article about um, Freaky Friday, which <gasps> is one of my favorite films. <laughs> the one with Lindsay and- Lohan or the original one? Oh, the one with Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> Great. Okay. And yeah. I, so I have a picture. Don't forget one millennial. <laughs> we have a I have a picture of Lindsay Lohan and Jamie Lee Curtis like with their guitars on my vision board oh my I god like, I love that I just loved it and I, and then I think I was like okay I need to kind of like tie this together for something so I wrote a quote which was like it's like a Pinterest quote of something like I love my beautiful life and it's yes my vision board is about loving the life that I have and like making the life that I have just like a bit more enjoyable 10 percent better yeah I was gonna say it sounds a bit more like it's like a gratitude thing and being like the things that you do every day obviously you love work so much <laughs> yeah <laughs> but obviously like like work is not fun and games all the time it never is no matter what you're doing how far you're in your career whatever it might be it's not mm. always fun and games but it's like by working it allows you to enjoy a lifestyle exactly. and I think if you're like vision is having more enjoyment in life that is in my opinion, a vision board. But I know there's like a bit of a, it's not really a debate, but it's just like the difference between a vision board and a mood board. And I suppose yours would fit mood board because it's more aesthetically, an aesthetic reminder of what you want. Whereas my vision board was very much just like hectic writing over four sellotaped together pieces of uh, A4 paper. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, can you explain how you made your vision board? Because yeah, yours is completely different to mine. No aesthetics. (laughs) Yeah, no, mine was truly not aesthetic at all (laughs) I'm really looking forward to reading that back and being like all of this is conflicting with one another (laughs) oh no so I'm going to be interested to see what happens but I think the way that I did it was that I know you're aware of who Roxy Nafusi is but for listeners if you're not she is kind of the leader in the manifesting space at the minute and she wrote a book called Manifesting and then Manifesting Dive Deeper so it's like an orange book and a blue book you will have seen them if you are a millennial woman or any woman between the ages of probably 15 and 35 to be honest maybe older I think she's doing a manifesting book for kids as well actually yeah she is I think she might have it might have either will be coming out this year or it came out last year. Mm. And I think it's just a really nice way of understanding like what your kind of desires are for your achievements. And I think from a personal point of view, I actually find it really difficult to like sit down and be like, okay, I'm going to sit here for an hour and figure out what I want. And so I've sometimes found it quite hard to do that on my own. And so Roxy had done like a, I wanted to say conference call. It's not a conference call. It was like a workshop, an online workshop on New Year's Day. And it was like a ticketed event. And you basically just showed up. She told you everything that you needed, which was paper, colorful pens and a candle or something to set the scene, make the vibes. So I got my candle. Bring your vibes. Got the candle, which I must confess, if one of my friends is listening, it was her birthday in December and I bought her a candle and I didn't get to see her. So I was just like, I don't actually have any candles. So I'm going to take that out of the present and then just replace the hat. (laughs) 
So I stole my friend's candle (laughs) for the purposes of vibes. And um, basically she kind of just like explained, if you'd not read the book, like how you manifest and exactly what the purpose of a vision board is. You could choose either six categories or four. And I chose the four, which was uh, personal development, careers, love and relationships, and then other, which is like hobbies, thoughts that you might have about specific individuals, like your friends or whatever. It's more that it's the exercise of saying, reflect on what you like truly want absolutely completely regardless of what's realistic no limiting beliefs from your point of view and I think she'd written something that was I can't get it back out because part of this process was folding it up and putting it away so Mm. I don't want to get it back out but there was like a, a really nice quote that was something along the lines of what would you truly want if limiting beliefs and that basically there's nothing standing in your way once you have one thought it kind of snowballs and it's refreshing to have that feeling of like oh this is what I want to achieve this is what I want to do but then I got to the point where I was like writing one and then be like oh and I want this and I want that and honestly for me I I feel like I am the typical person who is like okay I'm defined by my career which I'm not proud of particularly but it's a huge part of my life and so that section was like so jam-packed and condensed Mm. but then there were other areas where I was kind of manifesting personal things with family members or best friends or whoever and then the personal development I was like save some money like it was more (laughs) specific than that but it's definitely not nice to look at but it's it feels like quite a motivating idea to be like this is what you truly want to do. And the idea is you close it up, you put it away, you don't open it and you don't tell anybody what's on it apart from what I just did. And you look back at it and you kind of see what you achieved to see if you got a little bit closer or you had achieved what you'd set out for that year. Mm. Um, And so, yeah, mine was more of an element of less aesthetic, more goal-driven. And I think I would actually really benefit from doing a bit like one that was a bit more like yours because it's way less like it's not that I feel pressured by doing a vision board but it's the idea of like it's really difficult to fully remove yourself from the idea that you can't do something or you can't achieve it because it's not realistic but Roxy is like a perfect example of somebody that's like completely turned their life around we did a Stompcast episode with her we produced a Stompcast um with Dr Alex George and and it was really interesting listening to her speak in more depth about her beliefs about herself and how manifesting really helped her so yeah it was it was a good exercise it's interesting I do find it interesting the element because it's so intentional and focused Mm. that you then put it away I I find that really intriguing but I think so what I think what we should do is next year let's look at our vision boards and see see how we got on see oh my god that would be really fun I think that would be great Let's see if some of the completely conflicting things I've written on there both came true. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, Abby, I know I am not the pop culture queen. And in every episode, we do a little story from pop culture. We'll do a little story from current affairs and we'll do a little observation. So we've done the observation, obviously. (laughs) The vision boards, if you weren't already aware. (laughs) If you've just tuned in at this point. Um... (laughs) And we know that I'm not the pop culture queen. You are the pop culture queen. But I wondered if you would just indulge me in allowing me to be the pop culture queen for like 30 seconds. I would love that. Please go for it. I'm excited. (laughs) I think you're going to enjoy it. So (laughs) basically, I have always been quite obsessed with the Beckhams. 
And I've just got so much to say about, and I'm going to try and condense it as much as possible because I know you have a pop culture moment as well that you want to talk about. <laughs> but I'm about to send you something on WhatsApp. If you could so kindly open it and watch it. Yes. It's a video that I screen recorded from Victoria Beckham's Instagram story. Um, sorry, it was a reel. And it's just a video once you've received don't tell me I've sent this video to the wrong person you know you've said sorry you've sent it to me I was waiting for you to tell me to when to watch it okay okay click play on the video please okay and describe what you can see oh um (laughs) is it David Beckham please tell me that's not his son doing like very like weird push-ups where he's like but he's like pulling back and sticking his bum into the camera oh my god I feel like I can see his balls (laughs) Who is that? Please tell me that, that is David. David Beckham. Oh my god, I was really scared. It was like Brooklyn. Oh, okay. Hypersexualization of your own child. Okay. No, that is David Beckham, and he is basically doing an exercise where he's on all fours and he's like going forward and then thrusting backwards. And Victoria's decided to film the whole thing from behind him. So it's like an ultra HD view of his ass. The caption (laughs) is morning workout with this love machine. And the comment, the top comment is, she knows what she's doing. Exactly. And that is why I'm here. That is exactly what I want to say because Luke Hamnett is like that hilarious guy on Instagram. I love following it. And he basically like stitches funny videos and then gives his opinion on them. Yeah. And I was watching it like, oh my God, she, this woman knows what she is doing with this video. And it's real. So unless she's taken it down, you can still go and see it. Well, let's link it in the show notes. There's also something that happened after that video, and that is Victoria Beckham gifting David Beckham some hens and chickens for Christmas. Right. Now, the funny thing is, is she's like, David, what did you get for Christmas this year? And he's like, I got some, a a big, is it a flock of chickens? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what it is. We'll, (laughs) We'll just say chickens. Um, she was like David what did you get for Christmas and he was just like I got some chickens and there's this obviously incredibly bougie like chicken pen and it's like got a little door at the front so you can like look in and you can see there's chickens but in there there's a cockerel and you can't see the cockerel and Victoria Beckham is like and what you can't see in there is David's massive cock like in a really (laughs) posh accent and I was like, these two, honestly, it brings oh. me so much joy. They they know exactly what people want from them. Yeah. And I feel like after having watched the documentary, there's so, obviously they've been completely dragged through the press. They've had a really rough time with the press, but they are just, you would think that they completely close off and be like, we're just going to focus on our businesses leave us be but I just love that they've kept this part of their personality for everybody else to enjoy yeah totally it's just such an I don't it's just bringing me so much like happiness not because I enjoy the content but because it's just like carefree whimsical kind of stupid but brilliant it's like social media they've come across so well in this documentary and I think actually it's potentially because of the reaction and the way it's been received it's probably given them permission to be a bit more free because they're like oh god like people like us and like they like us as a couple because it's even how um there was that clip that went viral about um Victoria's parents um dad taking her into a Rolls Royce um, to school and claiming that she was working class. And then David on New Year's Eve posted on Instagram a picture with the in-laws being like, they went home in a Rolls Royce, yeah. (laughs) 
I've got it here and because this was my last thing I was like it's so funny because I was I was desperately wanting to talk to you about this but I was like we're gonna have to save it for the listen but the comment I've got the um the post up here and it's a picture of the four of them around a table and it looks like a picture that's been taken on a like old school digital camera to be fair, which is a bit of a vibe but David Beckham's caption of him Victoria and Victoria's parents is just a nice casual New Year's Eve lunch at the Ritz. Love heart at Victoria Beckham. Very working class laughing face. My mother and father-in-law left in their roles. Love heart. And it's just like, so it's jokes. kind of like boomers on Instagram mm. who know exactly what they're doing. They're, they're just completely playing the role everybody wants them to play. And I'm just completely obsessed with it and besotted by the whole thing. But she's posted a picture of the cockerel. Look at the cockerel. Oh, that is a massive cock. <laughs> Go and look at Victoria <laughs> Beckham's Instagram, everybody. It's huge. Quite quite a daunting cockerel. They're quite scary, actually. I wouldn't approach one. No, neither would I. Anyway, <laughs> that's my pop culture moment. I'm just, I love it. I love them too. I, well, in a very different, maybe not too different, but my pop culture thing I'd like to discuss um, this week is the return of Love Island once again. The reason I wanted to talk about it is because so the last like couple of years they've done obviously the summer Love Island that everybody has known and loved. And then they tried winter Love Island because they were like, you can't get enough of it. And I think winter Love Island kind of like fell a bit flat. People weren't as invested. The couples like that. It just kind of felt like B-list Love Island, really. Yeah. But what they are doing this year in place of Love Island in the winter is a Love Island All-Stars. Yes. Which I think is very, very clever. So if you don't know what an All-Stars, do you know what an All-Stars format is? No, but I just want to say that I don't have a huge fandom within, what's the, like a huge appetite for Love Island. That's fair. I have watched it before, but I don't know much about the the all-stars yeah so well the all-star an all-stars format is not a new thing it's something that's like american reality shows have done for yonks and yonks like they do it for like the bachelor where they do the bachelor in paradise they, and essentially obviously rupaul's drag race map do a bloody all-stars every year all-stars is when you bring back some of like the fan favorites and it's a cast full of people who've already been on the show. So in this case, they're bringing back ex-Islanders and it creates a new dynamic. And to be honest, sometimes it can create even better television than the normal series because these people know exactly what they're being asked to do. And they know yeah. how the show works. They know how they're going to be received or they have an idea of how they'll be received. And it's also an opportunity for redemption. So if you were like a yeah. villain on Love Island, you could come back and completely turn your character around. Um, so it's launching on the 15th of Jan. As we are recording this, the cast still has not been confirmed. But apparently, I don't even know what's going to happen between now and us releasing this never mind when it's going to go live because apparently there was a rumored walkout by a lot of the cast due to a pay gap so oh love that yeah love that I love to hear that but I think that I actually think that the Love Island production team are very clever for doing this because I think Love Island has hit a plateau and if mm. not it could be steering on a decline in terms of like popularity and people caring about it because it's on its like eighth or ninth 
season now, I think. I think people were getting really tired of like same old characters, nothing really new. People are too wise of social media reactions. So they're not giving as much drama as the earlier season. And I think that doing a Love Island All-Stars, there already be more money on offer because you've already got a platform. And it means that people, like I said earlier, will deliver the goods because if they, they'll know what they're in for. They're probably not in there to find love. They're there to produce television. I think, and I maybe I hope that Love Island All-Stars could save the franchise. It'll either make it or break it. Yeah, I watched season four of Love Island and then I think I watched five and then that was it. And, yeah. and we were having a very similar conversation because the traitors has just come back. Yeah. At the time of recording, this went, it went live last night, which um, I haven't actually caught up on yet. But... Claudia Winkleman like did an interview saying like I don't know if it's a good idea to do a second season because it did so well in the first mm. but it's almost like that that kind of story arc with a season with like this where it's almost like you get the people that watch it the first season and then because they create such a hype people come for the second which is bigger and then the third and then the fourth and then it slowly starts to peter off at like six ish yeah. and it's like either the true diehard fans that were there from the start to be like I've been watching this since the beginning or it's people that are just like, this is still going, like must be all right. I don't know. I could, I could be wrong with that, the latter half of that. But I do think that if they're going to do anything that's going to bring this back from the dead, like this is them essentially trying to to reinvigorate yeah. what they've kind of been successful with before, which is obviously completely fair. Like in almost everything, you have to keep doing that, yeah. whether it's work or entertainment or whatever it is exactly. you, you have to keep on kind of being on the forefront of that positive change yeah and I think they were kind of testing it out because they had they had a couple of people return in the last two seasons they had Adam Collard return who oh, to be yeah. honest was a bit of a dud and then you had Katie yeah. come back and that was a bit better so I think they were just kind of trying to test the audience reaction of when you bring back a previous Islander and I think the reaction was positive and then people were like oh I wish they'd done more so I think that now they're like, let's just go full ham. There was yeah. also the Love Island Games, which was an international Love Island All-Stars. Yeah. But that wasn't, I mean, I've not watched it because it's on like Peacock or Paramount Plus or something. And I'm sorry, I just can't, I can't get another streaming service. I just can't do no, it. No, no, I get that. So for the purposes of people listening to this, the cast isn't live yet for Love Island All-Stars. Who do you predict is going to be on it? Hello, editing Abby here, just uh, popping in. Um, as this episode has now gone live, uh, the Love Island All-Stars cast has been uh, announced and I was screaming at uh, how off my predictions were. Um, so I just want to put that out there before you hear them. <laughs> but uh, there's a link in the show notes to the actual cast and yeah, enjoy. So I think based on like, the rumoured lineup, I think that Michael, who was on season six, I think it was, who was famous for the childish meme, I think he'll come back Which on one it. Was he that? was with Amber Gill, who then went on to win it. And it was this scouse oh, yes. yeah. Muppet. But I think he'll come back. Then yeah. you've got Faye, Faye Winter, who was on it in 2021, because she was just... Um, she's the one who was with Teddy, who they split up not that long ago, I think, a few oh, months no. ago. And she was just like 
pure arguments essentially. And I think she'll come on to try and to like flip the public perception, but then yeah. we'll throw in an argument for good measure. Yeah. Because um, that's yeah. why we're watching. And then apparently yeah. one, of, <laughs> one of the the most confident of like the rumors is Paige, the Welsh paramedic who was on Love Island in oh, 2022. Yeah. She was the one who got with Adam Collard when he came in. But to be honest, I didn't, I wasn't a big fan of Paige. And actually I don't think it'd be a good idea for her, her to come back on it, but yeah. Fair, yeah. But I think looking at kind of the rumors, oh, and Ovi, I'd love for Ovi to come back. Oh, yeah. Who do you like really want to come back? I'd love Ovi to come back, definitely, but I think he's too cool for school. And then- He's got what he needs out of like why he actually went in the first place. exactly. I don't think, oh, maybe I would love if like Chris and Kem did it again. Oh my God, Chris and Kem. That was, I watched that series with Olivia Atwood. Again, I don't know- if they're dating anyone. And again, I don't think they'd do it. But those kind of like early key players OGs. that made like that people still use their memes, they're the ones we yeah. want back. And that's what we want. We want like, I, we basically want people to create memes that last the ages. Yeah. That's all we but want. it's also like, it's they were the heyday yeah. kind of series. So obviously they, people want those kinds of characters back. Yeah. Because you've kind of like fallen off the Love Island track, what would have to happen in order for you to start watching it again? Oh God. I think it would have to be like somebody who's like ultra celeb, Mm. who has never been on Love Island before. And actually this was the OG format of Love Island. If you remember, it was- um, It was Celebrity Love Island. Yeah, what was his name? Best. Callum, Callum yeah. Best went in and basically, and tell me if I'm wrong, I'm 99.9% sure when Love Island was like a super original format, the format we know it as now is a remake of what the yeah. first one yeah, was. Yeah. And he was like one man in there and there were just loads of women in there like fighting to be his no, it, girlfriend. N- well, yes, but there were other men. Right, okay. But you're right, but that's basically how it, it played out. I feel like he yeah. like got with a few and broke a lot of hearts. <laughs> I think if you had a really big male celebrity and a really big female celebrity in there, as in celebs that are very well known for stuff other than Love Island and you would never expect them to go in, you put them in there and see how the non-celebrities oh. would be drawn to the actual celebs and whether they would like how that would play out because I do think there's an element of Love Island now which is a a, this is not a new thought at all so please don't take this as (laughs) as like my leadership in this area it's like people just go on it to become famous now yeah yeah and I'd be really interested to know like what an ultra famous person in there would do interesting very interesting yeah like not like a conference league footballer like what they've had on previously um so yeah i think that would be cool that's what hey, would happen if i was marcel from season whatever he was in blazing squad so yeah true he was <laughs> good lord good lord okay are we ready to move swiftly from love island into what uh, i believe is happening in cultural affairs <laughs> I think you might be interested in. (laughs) Okay, so if I just cast your mind back to kind of mid last year, I feel like this was the height of people or the mass public starting to understand what Ozempic was. And 
it's not that it kind of came about in summer last year. It's more that it became like a really well-known fact or way for people to lose weight. But it's actually the purpose of it is to be a drug for diabetics to help them with their insulin levels and weight management. And I don't know how much you know about it, Abby. I feel like we don't need to go into like the depths of how Ozempic works. But basically, it's an injection that you will have. Um, You'll speak to a doctor. You have to get it prescribed. And like you have a certain amount. The controversial side of Ozempic, however, is that there are people who aren't diabetic who are being prescribed or seeking prescriptions for Ozempic uh, in order to lose weight yeah. rapidly. Yeah. And it's like super rapid. I don't know really what the kind of time span is on how quickly you lose weight, but it works. <laughs> yeah. um, it, it's a very, very quick way of losing weight I don't know a a kind of nicer way to say it and the thing that I want to bring to the table is like really open for debate here and this is very much kind of me reading articles and coming to my own conclusions but the Financial Times last year named their person of the year as Lars Fergard Jorgensen who's the CEO of Novo Nordisk who are the owners of Ozempic and now Wegovi which I could be mispronouncing or Wegovy, I'm not sure, which is a now another version of Ozempic yeah. because there was such high demand for Ozempic that diabetics actually couldn't get hold of it. So they had to make another version and they own both of these medications. Like a, like it's a big business venture. Mm. But as I've kind of dived into this a little bit more, so just for a bit of context, my boyfriend reads the Financial Times and I really enjoy reading like the magazine supplement at the weekend. It's like super interesting if um, if anybody's interested in this kind of thing. It's not news. It's kind of news adjacent or kind of more cultural than it is finance. I'm not into finance at all. <laughs> but Paul, my boyfriend, will often share with me like things that are interesting. Funnily enough, on the back of, if you can hear the newspaper here, on the back, this feels very BBC. I'm holding up the newspaper to the screen like, Abby, this is the headline. On the back of here, there's a whole thing about um, the Beckham's business empire. It's like this kind of news. So it's not like boring. Yeah. It's just, it's very interesting articles. But anyway, they named uh, Lars as their person of the year. And he is the CEO of Novo Nordisk. And as I said, as I've kind of dived into this a little bit more, what has kind of come to light is a really interesting PR angle of of a company that creates a drug that is arguably saving people's lives, but also causing like a new era of disordered weight management. Yeah, totally. Um, and the the reason why this is such an interesting PR angle is because I'm going to have to quote the article a little bit and I really don't want to be that person. But basically, the largest shareholder of Novo Nordisk is the Novo Nordisk Foundation. And this is where it gets really interesting because a little bit like Botox, I don't know if you know the story of how Botox was founded, but basically it was a woman who had such severe um, spasms in her face that it meant she couldn't open her eyes. And she was going for treatment and they were trying drugs. This this must have been, I'm going to say like the 40s or the 50s, maybe early 60s. And uh, this this, um, doctor had found was like, oh, let's try this. I'm going to inject your muscles with this um, medicine and we're going to see how your muscles react to it. And basically because the muscles couldn't move, she could open her eyes so she could 
see and then she kept going back to the doctor and was like can I have some more of that stuff she was like well it's still working like your eyes are open and then she was like well no everybody tells me how young I look because it gets rid of my wrinkles and so that's how Botox became like a way to to manage like a more of an aesthetic thing than it was the purpose of it being a a drug that helped people who had like severe muscle spasms and so essentially what Novo Nordisk have done is kind of a similar thing because I want to tell a very brief story in the way that they've written it. So in the early 1920s, Danish Nobel laureate August Crow, and I could have missaid that, uh, was on a speaking tour in the US when he heard about the discovery of insulin. His wife, Marie, who was a doctor, had diabetes and urged him to travel to Canada to seek permission from scientists to produce the medicine in Scandinavia. So he went over and spoke to the person that had like, started this insulin movement and how it would help diabetics and the person who said that yes they could make this medicine in Scandinavia so that his wife could get it said that the only condition in order to be able to do that was so that they would never make nasty profits from the proceeds and so it should be reinvested into research now the Novo Nordisk company the largest shareholder is the Novo Nordisk foundation which means that when they get paid for everything that comes through the sales of things like Ozempic and Wegovy it goes to them to then kind of mm. turn that money into like research and whatever it might be and I think the really interesting part of this is that all of their research is going into basically trying to prevent cardiovascular disease and obesity but the interesting part of this is that there's so many conflicting things mm. that it's it's so hard to like read this and not be like this doesn't make any sense guys it doesn't <laughs> no so somebody at Novo Nordisk the Novo Nordisk foundation said that it's a little bit of a dream come true that the drug has become so popular Oh, which wow. is wild. And then the article says, thanks largely to Wegovy and Ozempic, the foundation's assets under management have ridden 300% in the past 10 years. And now it's looking to expand overseas. So it's very satisfying to have created or been responsible for creating all of these medicines, they say, and now realizing that some of the profits they can generate, we can return back to society in the form of philanthropy, in the form of research, grants, education, even sometimes investments. Then they go on to say that they want to be, the idea is that the foundation lives forever. Mm. But this doesn't make sense to me because if they, like the goal is for Novo Nordisk to live forever, the money that they're funding and the studies that they're funding are to stop obesity and all the things that they're claiming that they can fix with their drugs. So it's this kind of like pharma, like PR mm. spin, which on one hand, I'm like, this is absolutely incredible. This drug is changing people's lives when they're diabetic. But also it's got this really like awful undertone of there's people taking this for, for weight loss reasons when some people don't need to lose weight or some people are taking it and it's kind of perpetuating a problem that we already have in society. And the fact that I can see why the Financial Times would have chosen this person, would have chosen Lars to be their person of the year because of the lives they're saving. But also it's like $1,300 to get Ozempic or Wegovy per month. Wow. So it's it's almost like it's if you have the money to be able to spend on losing weight in that way, then you can. But it's also not a sustainable way of losing weight because once you stop it, you gain weight again. Mm. So it, I think it's such an interesting conversation how like it's like a farmer issue in how they 
raise money, reinvest money and how they distribute it to shareholders and how it impacts like the everyday person like us. Yeah, totally. I think it's really interesting because I think the way that like Ozempic almost could have been like word of the year for 2023 and I'm sure it will be an even bigger conversation this year. Even if when you search like the word Ozempic into um, Twitter, again, I won't call it X. So there's basically a, a currently there's a video of Christina Aguilera going round and she's lost weight and she's like performing, living her best life. Again, yet yeah, I, th- I didn't even realize that she had put on weight, but essentially that was the conversation. And there was genuinely some people being like, oh God, Christina's clearly on Ozempic. How terrible. And then other comments being like, yes, Ozempic is bringing back the pop girlies. And I was like, what? Oh my God. Are we actually like talking about weight loss in this way? Like, like you said, the thing that scares me the most genuinely is how the rhetoric that is continually peddled and has been uh, pushed out there since before we were even born is that fat is bad. And I'm not talking about people who have health conditions. I'm not talking about obesity. I'm talking about the majority of people who are made to feel less than because they are a a size 12 up. And that, and and it's so fascinating you explaining all of that with how obviously they're thrilled because they've got all this money. And it's like, it's like they're just kind of brushing under the rug. Like, oh yeah, all these people are like fueling their, toxic self-image with our drug which we didn't make it for but look at all the money we now have yeah to like fund the research fund the research like have it that it just feels like the con the, the lack of conscience is just yeah astounding that's the thing because it's 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 quite disappointing in that there's a lot of studies so just to give you an idea they are also again this is why it's such an interesting conversation not because I don't want to sit here and slam it because it is saving, like Ozempic is saving people's lives. Uh, On the flip side, like we've said, it's definitely not saving people's (laughs) lives Um, when it's not used for the purpose it was created for or the kind of the reasons it was created. But what they're also doing is um, Novo Nordisk have just launched um, Renew, which is their stem cell medicine foundation arm and that is like incredible research Mm. so it's I want to say it's not just for obesity but the reasons why that they're really keen to understand stem cells is because that they can regenerate the tissues that are lost beta cells and and I'm sorry I don't know like the in-depths of that but it's basically a lot of the tissues that for diabetes, Parkinson's, heart failure, all of those kinds of things, their research will be funded and going into that. That is amazing. Like for my own personal reasons, I've I've researched stem cells recently and it is an area that that is, again, going to save people's lives. There needs to be research done into that space. Yeah. But the other side of it is that, I don't know if you remember the book that I'd mentioned it in our um, roundup, episode it was the ultra processed people book so that's basically talking about how the way we use the word obese shouldn't be they are obese it should be they have obese because the book goes into that in such depths because so much of it is out of the control of the person it's not just because they eat too much it's not just because they don't exercise enough that's not the cause for Mm. obesity there is so much based off of like a societal issue of where they live. Do they have access to areas where they can exercise? No. Do they have access to fresh fruit and vegetables at an affordable price? No. Obviously, when you boil it down, people will do what 
gives them a hot meal at the end of the day and gives their children food and often having obesity comes off the back of not being in a in a place where they can afford to to eat healthily or don't have anywhere to go and exercise that they can actually do and the the thing that the book talks about heavily is that what we need to be doing is funding the idea that people have to be more aware of what ultra processed food is and how it's impacting them because you could basically live the same life that you live now but only consume a UPF diet in terms of ultra processed food and you would still gain weight like there's absolutely no doubt about it because of the chemicals and the things that they use in that you feel like you might be eating something that's relatively healthy but all of the products in there is doing you so much harm that actually what I believe the Novo Nordisk Foundation should be doing is putting money into and they might be the article doesn't say it but they instead of putting studies into what causes obesity they should be saying we need to educate people on what ultra processed food is because that is a huge part of this mm, problem like actually and look so it's at kind the cause of, of the problem yeah totally yeah yeah not just fixing it and being like let's come up with another drug that's going to do it and like Yikes, like i said yeah. this is like a completely open conversation because i believe that they are doing incredible things and i and i like the idea that they are doing it as a charity it's a charitable foundation it's not a profit obviously not for profit doesn't mean they're not making any money and it doesn't mean they're not paying people extremely high wages it just means that all of the money they make has to pay people cover all of their bases in terms of the research research they're doing and their medicines and whatever and the trials and and actually that's still paying somebody like a massive wage at the end of the day totally well we'll put the link to the article in the show notes and some similar articles and um if you do have any thoughts on it we've got a google form where you can send your thoughts and like charlie said we're like we're always up for like all opinions open debates yeah send us in all of your thoughts i also just want to add that if you go and send a little google form um it's in the in the show notes of every episode if you click through to that and you submit a little love letter to us or your thoughts and opinions uh, then you will be automatically entered into our monthly competition which is a 50 pounds voucher and it will be for a different place each month and in january we've decided to do it for Glassette, yes. which is the wonderful online homeware marketplace which we love um, we do and so yeah you'll automatically be entered into a competition to win 50 pounds to spend on the website well if that isn't a reason to send us a letter i don't know what yeah. is <laughs> <laughs> well amazing thank you so much for listening all of our links are in the show notes and as always this podcast has been produced by astra productions the podcast network that puts women first indeed the executive producers are abby gibson and charlie perry editing by abby gibson and adam briffer video editing by lauren howie and production coordination by molly sainty we'll see you next week bye